Hello and welcome to episode number 244 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good man, pretty good. We are back with another classic to talk about this week um, because yeah, we're, we're taking some time off from the uh, the on-demand releases because um, <laughs> it, it can get tough at times to say the least um, and yeah, talking a bit of Wes Craven which I it always fills my heart with joy. Um, and uh yeah i can't even describe how happy it makes me <laughs> obviously following on from the last house on the left a few weeks ago um we're gonna be discussing wes's second movie the hills of eyes um so yeah stay tuned for that one um but first yeah a little bit of news um a couple of big stories in here really but um kicking things off with this first one pretty kind of apt that we have a bit of scream related news this week um yeah, yeah. Of course, the time is, is slowly getting towards a new Scream movie. Um, I hate the way it's even worded in this article where you just have to keep saying, like, the new Scream um, mm. because that's the title. It just it really triggers me every single time. Um, but basically, so this is kind of interesting. This was an exclusive from Bloody Disgusting. Um, they learned that there are not only multiple versions of the Scream screenplay, but mm. also the movie itself. Um, Love it. So purely to kind of keep spoilers hidden. Um, obviously, as we as we discussed with all our retrospectives last year, the Scream franchise is unlike anything I've ever seen in terms of spoilers um, and leaks. Pretty much from the start, um, you know, since Scream became popular, like Scream Two, we talked about was horrific yeah. with that sort of thing. Where yeah. ever like, since Scream Two, why... they've they've learned their lesson and they just go wild with this stuff. Yeah, well, they, they, yeah, they kind of have, and this stuff still leaks, and obviously Scream 3, they kind of got to the peak where they had multiple different drafts and multiple different killers and all that stuff, yeah. um, which kind of worries me with this a little bit, because I think ultimately this is good, it's very clever, I think you need to keep the amount of people that know this to a minimum to keep the surprise, um, and I think obviously the kind of multiple screenplays makes a lot of sense, I think film and stuff is really interesting, because you know, you even the cast and crew might not know certain details, which I think is good. I think the only aspect of this that I don't fully get behind is I hope there was always that singular vision. I hope mm. they had this film, it was done, and then it was right. Now let's make up all the extra bullshit to try and confuse people. Um, and I hope the actors knew in terms of who they were playing. I don't like the idea that there was, because with Scream 3 in particular, there was a lot of different actors who didn't know if they were going to be the killer. Um, so I, I know in particular it was Sydney's friend and, yeah. and I think Derek at times where they were like, we, you know, we were told within different meetings we were going to be the killer. And I think that sort of stuff is where you cross a line. Mm. Um, but if it is for the case, and especially with trailers, I love this as a concept. Putting in bullshit in your trailer to throw people, I think, is awesome. Um, and I would like to see more of that with horror movies, especially because, to me, trailers are only designed to get you hyped for the movie. So you really don't have to be, you know... Yeah, I remember with, um, with Scream uh, 4, when, mm. they, when they did, like, the trailer and they had, like, the, the image of Courtney Cox with the mask. Yeah and yeah that was like, good yeah. oh they trolled him so bad and then like it was actually in the film as well which was great but yeah. like it was just like you know a, a, yeah we talk about trailers a lot and a clever trailer goes mm. a long way oh yeah like the recent marvel stuff was genius like the, mm. the you could do an entire breakdown of the infinity war trailer itself and how much they change stuff to keep stuff hidden it was mm -hmm. incredible absolutely incredible so um yeah, like, so do you, do you think this is, like, a good, good thing overall for them to do, kind of get ahead of the spoilers in yeah, the Yeah, I think so. I think so. Like, you know, keep keep it, you know, and I think the thing I like about it is it stays true to the franchise as well. Mm. You know, this is, this is what the franchise has been doing, and it's kind of like, 
you know, we're, we're now in the, the, the realms that a screen movie exists and it's real and let's, let's let the bullshit commence like uh, in a good way that like, mm. let's let them just like, you know, confuse the hell out of things because I don't want any sort of spoilers going into this thing. I want to, mm. I want a clean slate. Like we know the cast is, you know, we know they've got the cast and so hell yeah, get me in front of the cinema now. Yeah, it does seem to just point to another. It was, it's another good step, isn't it? Of like they've yeah. they've kind of nailed everything so far. Obviously, like the title stuff is kind of irrelevant, but like the the actual choices they've made, the quotes that have come out, especially from the cast members, um, and talking about kind of the respect the respect for the franchise and for Wes, like they haven't really put a foot wrong yet, and no. I think that's a really good sign. Um, you know, you never know what's going on because, of course, the actors that are getting paid a lot are going to speak up. Um, yeah, they're going to be happy when they yeah. when their pockets are with cash like you know of course but at the end of the day you kind of have to sometimes not look at it so um obviously i guess yeah. and hope that there is just a passion and love for the project um but yeah it's it's, it's all good stuff man it's, it really is um it is wild obviously that, like they finished filming this you know last year um mm. you know during covid and they've had a very long time to kind of get this movie yeah, done in post-production yeah. because yeah it's not scheduled to come out until january next year so uh long long, long time to go for this one um Next up, we have another trailer. Um, obviously, we discussed a few a few weeks ago. Um, this was an interesting one because this is a movie that I heard about years ago um, that got delayed a lot, like COVID, mm-hmm. uh, during COVID, like a lot of films. Um, it's a movie called Seance, um, which comes by Simon Barrett, who this is his kind of directorial debut feature film. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's done segments on VHS2, and he's primarily a writer of horror films. He would have he would have wrote mo- many different horror f- films that I'm sure people are familiar with. Um, the Guest, yeah. You're Next, just so many brilliant films um kind of him and adam as a duo i think works really really well um but obviously adam has been very busy with godzilla versus kong for the last four or five years and simon within that time kind of went off and did his own thing film release (laughs) yeah and um i remember him you know tweeting about it a lot when he was filming this i I think in canada i think it was during um covid some of it as well um Mm. or i think he actually has another production that's that's been going on but either way um we know this movie's coming now um may 21st apparently it's coming to on demand and theaters day and date which is an interesting choice um Mm -hmm. and then shudder later this year have already picked it up um so the tra- the trailer itself like and again i want to state up front like i'm a huge fan of simon and his work mm-hmm. but this trailer did nothing for me um mm-hmm. it was very generic i didn't really get a sense of anything other than oh it's a bunch of kids doing a seance and then it seems like some spooky shit's happening um i did there's none of the visuals were interesting to me a lot of the performances seemed not great um i hope and pray that this trailer was hiding a lot because I don't know about you, but I kind of got the impression that it might not be what they're trying to sell us um, because it well, seemed like there was might have just been like a regular serial killer running around this place and they were trying to hide that from the trailer um, because yeah. I'd be way more interested in it if that was the case. Oh, God, I would too. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I completely agree with what you've said, but I just you, you'd have you have to give more than a hint of that. Like mm. um, because, yeah, the, the trailer was so vanilla and just kind of, you know, it, it's literally just like we, we've seen a segment of this on what what was it the recent one was it was, oh, was it, it season one of creep show or was it it was season two of twilight zone wasn't it or like twilight the, zone. The, the witchy yeah, type one yeah, the the, witchy kind of like one. the craft yeah. wasn't it yeah and you know like we've just yeah we've just had the craft um legacy and just like um you know i 
I just kind of saw it and was like, oh, nothing about this is inspiring. When spooky stuff started to happen, I'm like, oh, spooky stuff. And then mm. kind of the you then get to see a couple of things and you're like, is is there a little bit more to this? But the trailer really did give nothing that, that got me excited. Like if uh, like you, I'm a big fan of Simon's and kind of, you know, very interested to see what he does when he's fully behind the lens this trailer if if this had just been a trailer like that you gave me for no reason to watch i would have probably just turned it off mm. um you know so it's 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 definitely a mixed bag for sure yeah like obviously this isn't a subgenre that we're particularly fond of and i think even mm. recently when we saw those those kind of group of trailers i think it was the one called separation that was kind of spooky and had like a lot of weird imagery yeah. um but that was like again the the kind of plot of it wasn't interesting but that trailer went for it it had a shit ton of insane mm-hmm. visuals and a lot of like weird creepy horror stuff this is like someone's under a cover and disappears someone's just a cloaked figure in the corner of a room that you can barely make out yeah, and it is just a lot of people reacting and like you know yeah someone moves a book yeah. Whatever, yeah and it, it's, just... oh, it's so generic and that's why mm. i was kind of like is he playing into the genericness of this? Like, this is a movie that I don't know if I necessarily want to watch, but I, I need to hear people's reaction to it desperately when it comes out. Because yeah. I have a suspicion that it might be the first 15, 20 minutes of the movie, and then there's, like, a big revelation and it completely changes where it's going. Because, it like, Simon has written such interest in horror, and it would just... It would really shock me if his first directorial film is something this generic looking yeah, in the trailer. Definitely, um, definitely. Sounds harsh, but I come from a place of, of being a fan for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Next up, kind of more Mike Flanagan news. He's always in the news uh, at no, all times, pretty much. Um, obviously, Midnight Mass, his new original TV series. That's going to be the next thing that we see where he directed every episode. We talked about a month ago, I think, where we knew his next Netflix show, um, which is The Midnight Club. Very confusing, um, mm-hmm. which is an adaptation of a Christopher Pike novel. And we now have work um, news on his next movie. And it's not very far from the last announcement. So he will be adapting another Christopher Pike novel, um, this time called The Season of Passage, um, that first was published in 1993. Um, Kind of Mike said on Twitter, um, this project has been a dream of mine since I was a teenager. I'm so excited to be collaborating (laughs) with my brother James, um, as well as intrepid uh, pictures on an epic horror movie in space for Universal. Um, So yeah, non-Netflix, this is a film. Um, this is a seemingly a big cinema release film. Um, so obviously he's kind of working in those two different passages, but yeah, it's, he has made no kind of qualms about this being some of his favorite work. Um, and it is crazy that he has become that guy of like, just getting his hands on these books and he wants to be the guy to adapt them. Um, I think it's a really interesting place for him. I like say, I know nothing about, christopher pike's work um no, I'd, I'd never heard of him prior to these two news stories so i know we have a lot of uh, avid readers that listen to the show if you if you've read in particular the midnight club or the season of passage i would love to know what your thoughts are and it's it's an interesting choice how one's going to be a tv show one's a mm. film like that's really interesting well, yeah, to me as and well even, even like the fact that you know one's a netflix deal and one's a what was it universal mm. did you universal, say like, yeah like, how is he brokering these deals to, like, <laughs> you know, we had it with with the King stuff that he managed mm. to kind of transcend Netflix and film with it, and now he's doing the same with this, and it's like, the, the guy is just insane. Like, mm. uh, the, the cogs have to come off at some point, but, like, <laughs> until, he, until he delivers, like, a mess in front of me, like, I'm... Mm. I'm happy to keep on this journey. Like if he can keep churning out stuff for this, this level, then, then fine. But I just, 
I just don't know how he's so prolific and keeps announcing these things. It's just it's mad. Like so, this yeah. is what is this three or four projects we've got now? Three. It's free, yeah. Midnight Mass yeah. is original and it's completely finished. Um, and then yeah. the Midnight Club is now going into production, but he's not directing everything of that. Whereas no. he directed everything for Midnight Mass, and then he will be directing this new movie. No, um, and I guess that kind of makes sense. That kind of like you know, Blind Manor and and kind of Doctor Sleep almost hmm. were kind of like right, okay, I can get I can get get the um get the season going i can oversee the tv show and then i'll crack on with my film project when that's done i can then jump into fully something on netflix again it's just mm. you know he he doesn't in, like i wonder when the man sleeps yeah i know <laughs> he has to be the busiest man in horror right now um mm. but it's funny what like following his twitter account because i think we discussed you know earlier on in the year like he was one of the people that recommended hunter hunter mm-hmm. which i was very disappointed disappointed by but it was good to see that in i think the last week he was tweeting about saint maud and how much he loved that and i was like well well, thank god that you love this movie but uh you're about six months late to that party but i'm glad that you loved it and enjoyed it (laughs) come on man (laughs) when's he got the time to sit down and watch a film i know (laughs) he probably just watched the last 10 minutes of hunter hunter which then you know yeah that's probably that's so true (laughs) fast forward to the end oh that's cool i'm gonna tweet about that that's 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 insane if the rest of the movie was like this 10 out of 10 we 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 really should have done that um but anyway um good time moving on to a bit of rob zombie news which is always great um so yeah we obviously did a whole breakdown of the recent rumors a few weeks ago hopefully you heard all that because i'm not going to go over it but basically there's no smoke without fire um it seems like rob zombie's next project is going to be a new interpretation of the monsters um which is currently scheduled to start filming according to again all the rumors and and a lot of actors basically just flat out saying it in interviews um (laughs) in may so i think we'll start to get an official announcement for this soon but there's an interesting piece added this week um which again just adds more cadence to this 100 percent being you know a reality um the latest rumor is that this will be a Peacock original exclusive in the United States. Um, Peacock is another one of these organizations, streaming services, much like HBO Max, um, much like, uh, what was the other one? I can't, is it, was it CBS All Access? But the, oh no, Paramount Plus, they've like rebranded it. Um, so there's so many right now fighting for that marketplace. Um, Peacock is massive. They have so many huge IPs in America. Um, what is even more interesting, which again adds to this, is that the original series, The Monsters, is on Peacock. Um, so mm-hmm. they clearly own the ip um and so they kind of want a new project to then you know push you to watch the old stuff that's very much what a lot of these platforms are doing um the other aspect of this which i think is the most interesting is the budget for this project um which is reportedly in the 30 to 40 million dollar range this is unbelievable for people that aren't aware rob's peak of budget was halloween which was seven million um he mostly works in the three million range for stuff like devil's rejects um and uh free from hell and then 31 was like a million and a half um so he is he is dealing with you know really really low budgets this is um 10 times his last budgeted film um Mm. it's incredible to see him attached to these sorts of numbers um i think overall like as we've discussed this isn't something that i have any 
really um, knowledge of prior to any of this news. And I think for me, after Free From Hell, I said that I had no expectations for Rob as a director anymore. He he delivered me the one thing I wanted from him. And so I think the only one, actual one I had as a fan was I just wanted him to keep making original stuff. I didn't want him to dabble with other people's IP. Mm. Um, having said that, I know nothing about the monsters. And so if it was presented to me as, yeah, he's doing this like weird comedy horror this about this like family of misfit monsters and it's got sherry moon zombie jeff daniel phillips richard brake and and you're adding elvira into the mix i'm like that sounds awesome so i'm i think this is cool and i definitely Mm -hmm. think the budget makes this interesting because rob is a guy who has has desperately fought for money his entire life (laughs) to make films and he has just been shafted constantly and so like i'm really happy for him if he gets this sort of budget to just just get something else out there for a different uh you know price range um what what are your thoughts on this because obviously there's a lot of different aspects of this new story yeah i mean the budget is what blows me away more Mm. than anything and i just think you know he um it will be fascinating to see what he's got with this level of budget I just kind of feel like the way Rob works, he's worked for so many years with his back against the wall. Mm. That like, that's, you know, I, I don't know what will happen when he has this level of freedom, whether <laughs> it'll be good, bad or ugly. Like who knows? Yeah. Like, I, you know, there, there are some kind of, there are some indie people that you kind of know, crave and want that big budget. And, and, and kind of, you know, we talk about like Adam recently, mm. you know, and the, these stories and like, you can tell that that's like the way he wanted to go. Whereas with someone like Rob, I just don't know. Like, mm. I think he likes being in that grindhouse, you know, stage. And I, I kind of wonder if he gets to the end of the project and hands back like 35 million. Of a <laughs> <nugget>. <laughs> like, yeah. Like either that or just be like, okay, let's just splash it all on like a fucking Brad Pitt cameo or something just for the banner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it is interesting. Now, to me, what speaks volumes about this budget is to me, that spells TV show, not film. Um, mm. And that's not really been reported here. A lot of the news has reported a film. Whereas I think the idea of like a six episode one-off miniseries, this like, you know, 35, 40 minutes each episode, like that then does warrant a bigger budget first and mm. foremost. And I also, I would just like to see Rob in that wheelhouse of like something that a bit longer format where you can kind of long-term storytell a bit more like, that would actually interest me more than, than like a two hours monster movie or like a six part miniseries. I, I don't know. To me, I think that would be more interesting for this specific project, but yeah, I, I'm not fully against this. You know, I'm not like, Oh my God, this is my most anticipated thing. Not by a long mm. shot, but seeing Rob attached to something that I know little to know about with that cast. And it seems just like silly, goofy fun. You know, it's a throwback to a different era. Um, I like the mix of comedy and horror, especially for Rob. Cause I think he's really underrated with his comedy and I'd love to see him be able to double down on that more um so yeah i'm i'm, I'm i want to hear more from this if this was like fully announced in the coming weeks i'd be like yeah i'm down for that i'll definitely watch it um but i i'm pretty sure we're going to get a confirmation of this i would say in the next month because yeah. if all the rumors are pointing to them started filming in may like yeah, this is i'm surprised it hasn't point, so. yeah like the fact that we were talking what last week about that production weekly talking about sore x going into production mm-hmm. but we haven't got like confirmation of a, of a monsters project it's it is wild um and lastly, this is a very small update. I just threw this in here because I saw this earlier on today, really, about Stranger Things. Um, but I'll say up front, like, take this with a massive pinch of salt because I, I, this does not sound like true confirmation in any sense. But obviously, we're, we're, we've been wondering about a certain release date. And basically, uh, Finn Wolfhard, of course, one of the main stars of the show, um, said in a, in a recent video chat with a fan, is what's being quoted here, um season four it should be out sometime next year hopefully um 
<laughs> so based upon that, people are saying, you know, don't expect it this year. Wait till 2022. I think that's complete bullshit. Um, he could have easily misspoke or been misquoted. He could have said yeah. sometime within the next year, i.e. the next 12 months. Like there's so many different ways to read this. Um, and with all due respect, Finn's not the one who's picking the release date either. Um, so I think this is absolutely ludicrous. To me, it's a non-story, but I wanted to throw it in there. What, what do you think about this? Yeah, I agree. And I, I think, you know, what you said there, like no disrespect to Finn, but he's not the one that's making these decisions or, or necessarily knows. And mm. like, you know, it just sounds like a misquote and people are getting carried away. Yeah, I, I, to me, my my prediction, we will have this by November for me personally, um, mm. but we shall see on that one. Um, but yeah, that is it for the news this week. Shall we talk about this week's film? Let's do it. Let's talk about The Hills Have Eyes. So yeah, obviously uh, our second and our most recent uh, ranking Wes Craven series. Obviously, we already done the Scream movies last year, um, and yeah, it's just such a joy going back to these Never proper this day would come. Yeah, these like proper old school horror movies. You know, like we're talking. Obviously, Last House on Left was like early seventies. This is like mid, you know, seventy seven when it came out. Um, the early early days of the Wes Craven. You know, way before the kind of limelight and the the horror icon status. He was just a guy making movies at this point, um, mm-hmm. which is a real fun time to kind of look back on. Um, well, you think uh, you know, pre Freddy, he was just pure like mm. you know, he he was you know Rob Zombie basically mm. yeah you know just just without a care in the world driving off to the desert and nearly dying <laughs> in prep let alone yeah. let alone getting the movie made like you know yeah this was a nightmare shoot by all accounts by looking yeah. at it you know it's it's a full desert shoot on location i think they said that it was ridiculously hot in the day and ridiculously cold at night yeah um so it was just they were always uncomfortable during and they had they had no like prep or anything you know <laughs> you, you hear them talk about it and like yeah michael berryman just like yeah you know i i just was chucking water on my head to to stop myself from dying i'm like that's but that's not a thing like you need to yeah you need to get out of that shit like but they they were just standing around all day just with a passion to make a movie which is just awesome yeah well especially know? michael berryman obviously he has a mm. lot of birth defects and one of those defects is he doesn't have sweat glands so mm. he was very much in trouble during the making of this yeah film. But thank, thank god he was okay um yeah. But yeah, there's interesting stuff. Kind of the budget of this one's reportedly three hundred and fifty thousand to seven hundred thousand. Um, yeah, which... which I don't think is because I I think Wes in the documentary mm. um, said less. Yeah, I so, can't remember what he said because I did watch that last I, night. But I thought he said four hundred k. Yeah, so like nowhere near. Like I think it was. Yeah, it was a big range here. Like <laughs> yeah. seven hundred. I think yeah, we're you know we're talking three to four hundred probably. Yeah, so um, it's, it's reportedly about three times the budget of Last House on the Left. Um, mm. What's interesting is, is it says the film actors were paid minimum wage, which, like, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Like, what like, was there a national minimum wage for all actors in the 70s? Like, I just don't know enough about that to there give is, an opinion there, on it. There is, there is scale pay for actors, isn't there, now? So, like, right. it, probably is, it probably is then. Like, there is, a, there is a fixed day rate for an actor. 
Right, yeah. So they were just um, on whatever the minimum was at yeah, that time. Because you get that sometimes when like these crazy film stars do like a day cameo and they're like, Oh no, they did it for scale. Oh, I see, like, yeah, yeah, because yeah, they're just doing so it as like a favour sort of thing, but they have yeah, to obviously get paid for that. They work, have to get yeah. paid and there is yeah. a minimum for it. And so that makes yeah, sense. so so I'd imagine that's just always been a thing. Yeah. Um obviously censors <clears throat> are always gonna be something we <clears throat> talk about with these movies. Not yeah. not as Wes has got himself another X on IMDB. <laughs> yeah, we don't have as much information about this as the last house on the left, unfortunately. But the only thing I can see kind of pulling from Wikipedia and IMDB, um, the film was initially given an X rating by the MPAA due to its graphic violence. Um I should say up front as well, because this is gonna get into it. Full spoilers, obviously, for the film. We're not gonna mm. skirt around like we normally do. Um due to this. Uh, significant material was removed from Fred's death scene, the sequence where Mars and Pluto attack the trailer, and the last confrontation with Papa Jupiter. Um, and then also on IMDb, it says about how uh, the original UK cinema version was cut by the BBFC and lost part of the final climactic stabbing, plus the close-up <laughs> shot of Pluto's bloodied and mauled ankle. Um, <laughs> now, over the course of time, it seems like it's uncut um you know we're going to talk about how this is once again another amazing arrow release mm -hmm. and it doesn't say anywhere about this being kind of the uncut version to my knowledge no. um but i remember those points in the movie you know there is oh, a yeah. graphic close-up of the bloodied ankle after beast bites pluto that crazy yeah so like i'm assuming this is the uncut fully fledged version but it is difficult to determine um one of the things so. i want These to mention got chopped and cut so much and you know there's like mm. they, they didn't know what the ending was going to be and all manner of yeah stuff. yeah for sure um yeah there's an alternate ending obviously as well which we can mm -hmm. get to but um yeah, the only thing I want to add was obviously, yeah, there's an amazing documentary on here talking about mm -hmm. it with kind of Wes and all the actors. And the part where Wes mentions the MPAA and mm -hmm. how much disdain in his voice, in his face for this company, it, mm -hmm. it gave me it gave me power. You know, mm -hmm. I felt good watching that. And I was like, this man vehemently hated these people. And I want to continue that energy because... Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, the MPAA and the BBFC are a ginormous waste of time. Um, I think the idea of telling adults what they can and cannot watch in a film is pathetic. And censorship, censoring art is equally as pathetic. Um, you know, so I, I fully support Wes's hatred for these organizations mm. and how pointless they are. And obviously Rob has fought with these in recent years. And obviously it's not as bad now as it was back then in the seventies. No, but it's still people, but get it's still rep, shit. You know, yeah. like people, you get a rep. That's what we said before when we talked about last house and the last, Wes got a rep for it. Rob has a rep for it now. And mm. You know, whatever Rob puts out, he's going to get an X straight away. Yeah, uh, it's just a, it's just a way that they they play him. And I think you know, like you say, I I think it's you know, I I, I completely agree with what you said that you know we can't just you can't censor art. You've got to let people do what they want to do, and you've got to let people be informed enough, and and let the people that are showing the films decide whether they want to put it in their cinemas, mm. and then let the people that are going to go to the cinema decide that they want to see it, you know, and I think that's what it should be, freedom for everyone, like, you know, if someone's going to make a horrible, disgusting thing, then no one should watch it but let let that happen let, yeah. let nature do its thing and let let the the cinema say no this is disgusting we're not putting this on in our cinema and let us as film goers say yeah we're not clamoring to watch that either because it's horrible like yeah, and it, you know and 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 you know let let it be self-censored 
hundred percent. And it should be obviously go without saying, but we're we're talking about all adults here. You know, yeah, we're not yeah, saying yeah, that like yeah. kids should be allowed to watch these types of movies. You know, that goes without saying. We're talking about all adults and some organization that has just been put in place to then decide what a filmmaker and, can and or I can't think, put in their and films. I think that's Crazy. where the the line has gotten too too far. Mm. The I think the censorship should be there to give a guide to say, right, you know, I, I don't mind the whole 12, 15, 18, like we have in the UK to say, right, okay, no, this is this is what it should be to, to you know, for young adults to transition to then once the movie's 18, you know, it all bets are off. Mm. And, and there shouldn't be like, oh, to get an 18, you need to do this. It's like, no, to get a 15, you need to do this. Mm. To get a 12, you need to do this. Like, but but once you've got the 18 certificate that that's it you know and and or even if there was like a a thing beyond it but like you can't start saying oh no we're not going to put a rating on it and that means you can't get it in a cinema like yeah. you know then it then it just becomes there's too much power and control well the whole thing makes no sense anyway because the whole point of when the BBFC started was that it's it's a recommendation it's hmm. a recommended age and then for some unknown well, yeah, reason at some point, point of what it, be it became the police yeah but it became a case of oh no you have to be that age to legally buy the film that was not the intention of the hmm. original bbfc i've been to the bbfc in, in london and asked these questions and it yeah it just it blows my mind but i the the mpaa and the bbfc to me are a ginormous waste of time the sooner we get rid of them the better um and especially when they start censoring these movies it's just pathetic um and we don't talk about it enough and anytime it gets you know can be brought up on the show when talking about censorship i will do um because of people like wes and because of people like rob who have struggled their entire lives to make art because of these like pointless organizations that just do mm. that don't help anyone at the end of the day um but uh yeah moving on kind of the one of the other as aspects of the film uh before we talk about the actual film itself was obviously the title um much like the last house on the left it was not the original title um i believe it's called blood relatives when they were filming it and that was kind of the the, the title that wes liked um but once again it was kind of a, a bunch of titles were there it was yeah. chosen that it was the hills of eyes it tested well with audiences and once again wes hated it <laughs> yeah wes so... is not good at naming his projects that's what <laughs> no. i've learned from because... I really want to know who came up with the title and Nightmare on Elm Street because that's like such a perfect title, and I wonder yeah, if that was Wes or someone else. <laughs> no, <laughs> like from from the last two, I'm like, like the guys are god in my eyes in horror, but he cannot name a film. You well, know, last night's on the left. It's like name it's like was King... better. Like Krug and Company was good. It was like a decent title. But yeah, Blood Relatives. Right, what the hell does yeah, that mean? <laughs> you know. He, he's he's becoming Stephen King where he can't write ending. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is not a bad problem to have, really, if you just got another guy to pick your titles because, yeah. you know, we talk about testing and audiences and all this stuff, which can be atrocious, but The and Last House on like, the Left and The Hills of Eyes are both proven that, like, the test of time that they're great film titles. Yeah, and I think as well, though, that, like, you know, we talk about the Scream movie that's coming out and it's like, whatever, <laughs> like, if the, movie's, if the movie's gold, we'll get over the title. Yeah. Um, but it's still a terrible yeah. title. <laughs> um, and yeah, once again, like the last movie, obviously this was restored uh, by Arrow. Um, mm -hmm. And it came out, it's interesting. It says it came out October in 2016 and also January 2018. So I don't know if they just did like a reprint um, or if it was like a 4K. Um, but uh, either way, it's, a, it's another it's a incredible yeah, um, restoration. Well, it's weird, right? Because my the back of my Blu-ray says brand new 4K restoration of the film. 
But it's yeah, not 4K, they, it's a Blu-ray. It, like, yeah, it's very strange. Yeah, so it's yeah. it's interesting. But it's it's regardless, it's a beautiful restoration, much like last yeah, time. Yeah, it really is. And, and like we're so looks... lucky because I've been looking up kind of the upcoming Wes movies and there are there are a couple where I'm like, how are we going to watch this movie well? <laughs> like, if we're going to have to get, like, video quality, that's going to suck. Um, yeah. Yeah, but that's we, not for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, what's this movie about other than being extremely similar to a movie released in 1974? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, this is um, on their way to, uh, was it California? Mm. Um, the I think it's, um, well, no, they're not. The, it's, it's no, they're going to Vegas. Camp. No, they're going to, they're going to California, aren't they? Hmm. Oh, maybe wait where, where did they get vegas i thought they said it was i thought they were they're going, going to they're, vegas they're going to like la and stuff oh are they going through that because it's the nevada desert isn't it where they break down let's not get caught up on where they're going <laughs> they're, they're, not, they're not getting there they're, they're, regardless Plus, of where they're meant to be going they're not i'm pretty there. sure u.s geography is not our strong and, point <laughs> and correct correct we're not, i'm not gonna it's, it's certainly not a hill i'm gonna die on um, <laughs> me neither and they um well, the thing is, the thing that makes me laugh is that, yeah, I think it's the, it's the Carter family, isn't it? And yeah. they, um, so we've got, um, uh, mum, dad, uh, two sisters and a uh, brother, and then one of the sisters, husband and mm. young child all in the, the caravan along with. It always throws me when I watch this, I'm like, who, wait, who's the, who's not in this family? Who's married yeah. into the family? It's very confusing. Yeah, well, especially because, um, like, they they there's not like a clear dynamic like no. um what's his i was trying to think of what his name is now um oh god the the married one uh doug doug is like you know pretty much just like as flirtatious with every character mm, yeah <laughs> um because yeah, he's with lynn and then yeah. is it bobby and brenda are the, are the just the other siblings in the family yeah um but yeah so and and forget to mention that they also have two alsatian dogs beauty and beast mm-hmm. uh may i never forget because my love of alsatian dogs spawned <laughs> from this movie franchise so yes. um yeah we'll we'll get to the dog acting in this film because yes, it's yes, uh yes, needed to be talking about there is another character as well that you and haven't mentioned in the family i said the baby oh did you oh, fair enough I wasn't yeah, yeah i said the baby um i thought that was what you were going to call me up on um <laughs> but yeah and the one thing that always i i forget about both both these hills of eyes movies but this one in particular the, the family are just completely deserve this they were gonna <laughs> die they were gonna die regardless they're so um, useless because they they're, they're literally driving out in the middle of nowhere i don't quite understand why they want to go to this mine They've mm. got in their minds. I don't know whether it's is it some sort of family thing or he's heard about it. They want to go it to this mine be. because it always starts like that, doesn't it? Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, we'll come on to the Hills of Eyes Part Two in a future podcast. But they have way more sense of what they're up to. They're, they've got a game plan. They've got a shortcut. I, I blame the worst character in this movie, which we'll get to. But he is <laughs> like, I couldn't wait to see this guy die. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but they end up kind of driving on this this it's not a road just just driving <laughs> in the desert and the family get into this ridiculous argument and end up just not just crashing but breaking the axle of their car mm. um so they're straight up stranded in the middle of nowhere you forget a key element in that crash that's th- that they all suck and that they 
Well, there's like the planes stuff because they they talk oh, about how yeah, it's like a military bizarre, zone. Yeah. So there's these there's these really super loud jets flying overhead, yeah, and that's what causes them to crash. Yeah, which I always it, forget about. It's such a weird. I always thought it was like you know they threw out tire tracks and like yeah, broke the car. And honestly, stuff. if you'd have said to me probably last week, like, yeah. oh, how, what happens to them? I'd be like, oh yeah, you know the cannibals, which we'll get mm. to. You know they they <laughs> set a trap and that makes them crash. Yeah. Like, nope. No, those cannibals. No, they just chilling. got lucky. Yeah, they, they were just they happened to be there. Time. You know, they, they were gonna they were gonna eat some coyote or something, and then and then a load of fresh meat just just happened to like be there. Let's be honest. You there's know? two things that are very common with this and Lost House on the Left. The reason how Krug and company end up at the parents' house is ridiculous, <laughs> and the the way the Carter family end up with the cannibals is equally as ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. And and yeah, then yeah, they they crash and we get um, a really cool uh, shot of the the cannibals kind of like throughout the movie, kind of watching the family from afar, and we mm. get this kind of lens through a binocular kind of approach that looks awesome. That's kind of yeah, and and we slowly unpick this this family of of cannibals um, that are kind of. Um, uh, led by Papa Dupe, and then we've got kind of Mars and Pluto, who are kind kind of like his his two sons that are kind of like running the kind of cannibal aggressive side of the family, and then we've got um, Mercury, who's kind of born um, with kind of disabilities, and and kind of he is treated like the child of the family, and then mm. we've kind of um, and we have Ruby, who's kind of the uh, the uh gem of the family so to speak as per wes um, yeah we, we is, meet up with her like right at the start of the movie yeah and, we, and, and she's kind of the one that's the most akin to kind of normal kind of civilization you mm. can tell that she's kind of not fully there with the cannibals you know when we get scenes later on she's kind of shying away from it whereas the other ones they, i mean the rest of the family just straight up wants to eat a baby let's yeah. be honest <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah, as as night falls, the family, the Carter family, decided it'd be a good idea to to just split the hell up, and then um, slowly <laughs> get picked off one by one. Pretty much, <laughs> and it's kind of funny because as we were talking about that setup, like we were saying a lot of kind of negative things, but it's in it's not it's not like it's not bad. It's just it's just kind of amusing watching it with this lens, and after seeing this movie like a hundred times, mm. you, you start to you start to then watch it with a different lens, and you are just like, God damn, this family! Like they really like, and and I think it's part of like what Wes does that this family isn't that likable. No, um, you know you're going to get onto your thoughts on a certain character, but like most of them aren't that likable. There's a scene very early on. The only likable character from this family i mean you know the the baby and the dogs like <laughs> everyone else kind of sucks and like cause Bobby yeah, beast is, is the annoying. best character by far oh, he's like a non-cannibal yeah beast for sure <laughs> like beast is definitely the mvp of this movie mm. um and beauty r.i.p only because she doesn't get enough airtime. Mm. um but but yeah did um, you read about the the dog stuff in this film which is really uh, bizarre no, I haven't read about anything on it, no. It was um, an actual dog <clears throat> carcass that they got. Really? Real carcass. There's some Christ. weird stuff in this movie. Like, the spider scene was mm. added because they just found a spider in the middle yeah, of the I road. Heard that, yeah. Which is ridiculous. Um, yeah. And, yeah, the snake stuff's pretty crazy as well. But the actual, yeah, they just got a dog carcass. And then the quote that I could find from Wes was like, we got a dog carcass, it was already dead, and that's all I can go into. <laughs> that's, that's and I was like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> like, yeah, but that's... 
it's a different that's era of filmmaking. <laughs> oh my god, it really is because you know when when Big Bob when Big Bob gets his demise, they speak mm. about in the documentary that how like there are no trees in the desert. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that bit was hilarious. They just found a tree that's like protected. It's by a the Joshua state. tree. Yeah, and they they just burnt that thing to the ground. <laughs> and I'm like, that's that's not that's not something you can do. Like mm. it's. It's just yeah, and the end. The, the camper van as well, where they only had one camper van. They were like, if we mess this up, blowing this thing up, with mm. the film's fucked. And also, I'm pretty sure a lot of them either stayed in that during the night or slept in there because they said once yeah. post that scene, they were like screwed because <laughs> mm. the nearest hotels were like so many yeah, but at you know, least far with away. That, they weren't breaking any laws. That's just like maverick filmmaking. But like, you are know, you allowed to blow up vans in the middle of the desert? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, their van in it, like. You know. But I guess is it not littering? There, there was there was no there was no dog carcass that was found. That's all I'm saying. Like it's it's just it, it worries me. It, it really worries does. me that uh, Beauty and Beast had a, a strong resemblance and we didn't see them on screen at the same time. <laughs> yeah. No, we did. We did. We did early on. Thank God. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, the, the movie, like you say, the, like we get into our thoughts on the making of it because it really was just an insane time. Like mm. and and. Wes was just, you know, the the way that he got thrown into the horror genre when really he's, you know, he wasn't like this. You know, you look at these people now that are like a, a Flanagan mm. that's kind of making these horror projects because he grew up passionate about horror. Wes didn't grow up passionate about horror. No. He, he found a passion for film and his gateway into film was, oh, can you write a script for a horror movie? And somehow his sick mind came up with Last House on the Left, mm. and then and then then his mind equally came up. They're like, "Oh, can you make a sick movie in the desert?" He's like, "Yep, <laughs> Blood Family or whatever it's called." And yeah. um, yeah, here we are. And it's just it's kind of, you know it's amazing that he, well, it's worrying really that 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 came out of his. These two movies are the first two things to come out of his mind. Yeah, they said at the time that kind of Wes didn't want to make another horror movie post mm. Last House on the Left, and he but he couldn't get any producers to finance a, a project that wasn't horror because mm. at the time for the budgets they were working with, that was the easiest way to make a profit. Mm. Um, and and the producer Peter Locke, who was like heavily involved in this and was on the documentary, he talks about all that stuff as well. Mm. Yeah, um, but, but yeah, and I think kind of um, yeah, the movie the movie kind of kicks off really with Bobby discovering kind of. Um, uh, beauty's body and then kind of at the same ish time bob is kind of big bob has made his way back to the the makeshift gas station to, mm. to find kind of you know the the cannibal family coming to a head with with the i guess granddad of, of the family mm. like it's it's very strange the whole relationship and like he goes into such a quick monologue about uh jupiter that kind of like sets up him as a character and then he just gets like wrenched from the window by jupiter mm. it's, it's a, it, the scene works it's powerful yeah. mm. um but it's a big information dump right there yeah um and then kind of the the movie it's weird really how similar this movie is to last house on the left the um you know it's it's formulaic the exact same thing that you've kind of got this kind of um preamble before and then and then kind of the family gets absolutely ravaged and kind of the aftermath of of what the cannibals do is kind of it hits you more because with last house of the left last house on the left you you see what happens and that is brutal and goes on but the aftermath is kind of you know that they, they get mary and they 
you know they they see her and then that's it and it's very short whereas yeah like, the, the victims die relatively yeah, the soon victims, afterwards the victims have are gone and then when they're gone they're gone whereas like the bodies of what was left behind are just there in this tiny little caravan and like our characters are having to deal with it and it's like yeah, they're literally used as props for the rest of the film <laughs> yeah it's it's so just you know you, you feel it and i think that's why you get motivated even when this family kind of you know does you know isn't that likable i think kind of um you know you 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 get motivated by the end and then obviously you know this is just a full full up like glasses on the left just over the top revenge movie at that point mm. the family suddenly become kind of survivalists they they can make these um traps like it's just wes's obsession with with mm. pinky dinky homemade traps is just amazing <laughs> yeah and, and this yeah, is one of my favorite they, ones for sure yeah definitely definitely um because it's actually a genius plan like it's really clever what they do mm. and kind of like it's almost mind-blowing because they act like such morons throughout the whole film but then out of nowhere they craft this like really clever plan when they've really got their backs up against the wall and it's hard to remember the first time i saw this movie but kind of like you think well they're kind of, they're pretty much screwed like yeah. when they're on the radio calling for help and then they realize they're talking to the cannibals and they've just given away all their information you, yeah, you're just like, kind of like well and, they're screwed pluto's got all the bullets and you're like they don't, yeah, the they baby's don't have any gone the guns they've got the baby like well there's there's no hope yeah and then they just out of nowhere kind of like our oh, idea like this is a great plan and even though it doesn't fully go to plan because you know it's a horror movie so you need that tension but like it it did work <laughs> i mean what was the what was the the what was she going to do though once once he got caught by the car trap what were they going to do well i assume that they for a while yeah they think he's just going to be dragging infinitely even though they're bringing him towards them and it only disconnected not a great idea bro <laughs> it, it only disconnected maybe 20 feet like before it was gonna just stop anyway was he yeah. gonna go into the tire and that would mangle him a little bit like it would hurt I his don't... leg at best a bit yeah because it was like... just like a it was like a tire without the actual yeah. you know tire like it was on it, clever so. but yeah, yeah like it was it was clever but only to really piss him off yeah <laughs> yeah no no i mean like the second part of the plan was the yeah, genius yeah. part yeah, of like definitely. Because the whole like matches on the ground with the gas can, like I remember obviously like a lot of these films seeing them at a very early age yeah. and being like, that's, that's so clever. Like yeah, that's, <laughs> that's such a brilliant way to kind of take down this impossible killer. I'm like, yeah. why didn't they just do that on Friday the 13th? Yeah. I'm um, like, oh, we've got, we've got a gas fire at home. We're, we're set. If anyone ever, <laughs> yeah. you know, breaks in, I've got a get out plan. Yeah. I just blew up my own home <laughs> and then I'm just I'm fine. <laughs> um just to just to scale it back one minute when i touch upon the family not being likable i think mm. that there was something that kind of i picked up on like that i haven't ever really picked up on before that like this family is pretty horrible yeah and like when they um it's the um uh d wallace's character and kind of um the mother when they're talking about a beast killing a poodle Mm. And they're talking about how, like, you know, they're trying to give Beast, like, the, you know, the the image behind the name and kind of make him up to be this, this you know, killer. Yeah. But they're, they're like, having this, they're laughing their head off about him murdering a poodle and that their dad had to buy him out of it. And kind of, he was annoyed he had to pay for a dead poodle's vet bill. And they're like, oh, oh, oh that poodle. Mm. And I was like, oh, my God, this family's horrible. Like, this, yeah. this dog that actually, it made me think, like, oh, maybe I don't like Beast as much as well. But I'm like, <laughs> no, nah, it's just the family that sucks. I need to have neither control this monster. 
You like, know, they are really scummy. And like, it is one of the things that you kind of, I'd forgot with a lot of these, you know, the specifics of the film and like mm. the, you know, the dad is just such a horrible piece of shit. Like he is acting like a complete clown throughout and just kind mm. of like, like you say, swerves this car just because he has a bloody plane. Um, mm. You know, he's acting like he's some caveman that's never heard a plane before. Yet he was in the, uh, the police service for like 30 <laughs> years. So like this guy's suffering from like major PTSD, it seems like. He then has this random monologue where I don't even think he's talking to anyone. He's just talking out loud and he says the n-word in the in his like monologue and i almost like didn't even catch it where i had to rewind it and i was like oh no he just straight up said that and like i get that this is in the 70s but it was just kind of like well that seemed really unnecessary and also just makes me hate this guy even more and yeah they're all super irritating and i also think the acting is bad in this film from Mm. the family um obviously d wallace went on to have an amazing career and i'm not singling her out by any means because she's probably one of the most competent um but but like in general they're pretty atrocious i thought both the young guys were terrible like think, the dad and the mom the, are both the, awful the guys in particular were bad i think yeah i think the the two daughters were fine um yeah the know, guys are the worst you know, the, the blonde guy reminded me of like troll 2 level of bad acting where it almost yeah, became entertaining with how bad it was it almost seems like everyone else turned down the role like mm. you know when you hear about it like he he clearly wasn't the first choice for bobby but yeah. they were like, oh, I guess, like, you know, we will. And it, it, it's funny, really, because you look at the flip side and you've got Michael Berryman that's mm. like, you know, he's the most charismatic, likable guy that you could ever have as a villain. Like, mm. it's it's insane. And then obviously, like... Um, well, to find someone like that as well, like talk about that yeah. like, you know we know michael berryman at this point but to find someone who looks the way he, he looks who is yeah, then is the person that michael berryman is yeah, yeah is an just, is an absolute sweetheart and, and a really good actor as well yeah. like for, under all you know like i say i think a lot of people are terrible in this movie i think ruby is good as yeah, well and that's what i was gonna say ruby is also fantastic did like, you hear about how she got yeah. the role it's yeah. ludicrous so for people that don't know they were like well this character is going to need to run a lot <laughs> so they got a bunch of actors who they wrangled up somehow and they let them race and the winner of the race got the role so it literally wasn't anything to do with her acting abilities i love more than anything i love that i love it so much like that's that's what filmmaking was back then we need someone quick who's the quickest yeah and it's like you get lucky because she's good michael berryman's Mm. great and then you get obviously like d who goes on to have this amazing career but then like you say you get so, I mean, a lot of these actors don't even have like links on Wikipedia because it's mm. just like they're just not actors. I don't they maybe they just wanted a bit of money and it was like an ad they saw. Like this is the level we're talking about here. And I think as someone who obviously just watched Last House on Left recently, and I said it on the show, like I was blown away by how well the acting stood up um, universally across the board, really. Obviously, I thought Krug and company were like the best actors in it, but the two victims played their roles so much better than the victims do in this film. Um, and obviously yeah, the I mean, parents as well. I think there's a reason why this shoot was so grudingly tough and hard. Mm. That that's why, you know, the people that they've got on it, and it's amazing that they got someone like a, a young D Wallace that went mm. on to have the career she had and like this was her gateway into film like yes yeah. this, this and she could have just said no torture. i don't want to do this shit anymore yeah. like a lot of these people i'm assuming done but but yeah that is a good point to make because like this is not a fun shoot there's not a good shoot it's not a shoot that's designed to no. get the best out of your actors god knows how much prep they had so like i'm not singling them out for being like oh they're all horrible at their jobs i'm just saying what i saw in this film is like not good you know it's just it's just not good acting from a lot of the people and it is surprising like you say that the villains are the best job mm. acting wise in the film. And it almost is that early 
position of Wes, where it's like he is aligning himself more with the villains of the film. And obviously later on, we see that more in his work, which we'll get to. But it's kind of like that became very much a mainstay of Wes of like he wants the most charismatic almost likable person to also be the most despicable character within the story. Um, and it's very rare that you kind of get like a Sydney who's like this yeah. universally loved character. Who's not the killer. Um, mm. Because looking at off the top of my head, it's like a lot of his filmography. I think to myself, man, all the best characters in these movies and all the best performances are from the villains. Um, yeah, definitely. Which is interesting. Until, very like, similar yeah, to kind of Rob's take point. on horror yeah. as well. Yeah, definitely. But, but yeah, kind of like, you know, the, I think, the 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 kind of five minute scene where big bob kind of gets gets killed and then kind of you know all goes down in the in the trailer um that is that is some of the like just it it feels i think like back then it like what he did it just felt real like Mm. when when d got shot twice like i genuinely felt like you know she was shot twice like it was horrible to watch and the way that kind of yeah, when um, when they kind of you know when when the guys kind of make their way back and kind of um, you know are kind of uncovering the bodies and kind of that sort of thing, just every everything about that, like um, you know, when Doug is kind of like cradling Dee and then he kind of lets her drop to kind of look towards the mother, like the, I think that's when like you can see that she's you know she clearly is a good actress because that felt so real to me. Mm. um you know and the way that you know she just kind of you know was was you know just seemed completely lifeless and it felt super real and and even with the kind of you know over the top blood that they had it still just it, it felt you know um so you know like so raw and it was kind of the whole build up for it the second mars kind of shows up like you know you've got pluto who's kind of terrifying to look at but it's kind of ambling around in there and he's kind of you know, he, he's collecting knives and food and just kind of like, you know, you, you're kind of like, oh, okay, he's a scavenger. Like, he's going there to steal and just kind of get, you know, whatever. And then Mars shows up and just, like, instantly starts eating raw meat. He then bites the head off a budgie and you're just <laughs> like, and then then goes into the, the bed, you know, the bedroom area with, with the daughter. And you're just like, what is this monster? Like, it, it really amps it up to, like you know 11 Mm. and i think kind of i think that's you know that scene is what stuck with me for so long as to why this movie is kind of you know special to me that 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 kind of just truly was terrifying and i think even now it's truly terrifying like though that 10 minute segment is is you know um up there with anything you've come up with really i think his voice is incredible as well. Like it's that yeah. kind of, it's just so evil his, and sinister. His teeth, yeah. Like, that he had. And just like, he, he is just like, he is the quintessential, like, you know, like Krug was in the, in last house. And like, that's what he is. He's, he, he is, you know, if you, if you were to look at villain, it's a picture of Mars, mm. you know, it, it couldn't be captured more. It is interesting watching these obviously now in like a 2021 lens because and having seen it a lot of times because you have that opening scene with kind of the the gas station and all that and then they Mm. break down and I feel like 
up until the point when it all goes down and kind of Big Bob gets attacked and then you get the attack on the trailer and all those incredible scenes, like there is a big lull in this movie, which I found pretty boring. Um, And I think kind of as when we look at modern films, that would be like unforgivable um, and it would be something that we would crucify the film for. And I think the only reason why I am more forgiven of this film is because it's... the more I watch it, the more frustrated I am because I know what's going to happen. And so I just want to get to that. But when you watch this the first time, you have no idea what's going to happen. And I think that is, it's a powerful tool to try and do that. We see movies do this all the time. You know, it is that kind of stereotypical slow burn type of like, we lull you into the false sense of security. You think it might just be about this family that are broken down and maybe they're struggling with the weather conditions and all this until you get that mental scene that really changes the way you're going to look at the whole film. Um, and so I think that, that, that scene saves like the boring scenes before it, because it is so strong and powerful. Yeah. But the more I've seen the film, the more that lull bores me personally when I'm watching it, where I'm kind of like, okay, let's just get to the scene because the family, like you say, they're not interesting in the slightest, the conversations they're having. You look at, you look at something like last week though, with honeydew and it was Mm. the same principle that like Mm. more so that like, the the preamble the slow burn is enough to keep you going mm. because it's it's kind of like oh, okay they're in the middle of nowhere oh, okay we can see these binoculars we know they're being watched we've seen like you know the opening scene at the gas station we know that ruby's around we know that there's a family we know there's more of them so like it's all this kind of it is this tension and don't get me wrong you know there is this long bit when they're kind of going off and the the husband comes back with all this stuff. Like he, he finds a reel of wire and thinks he mm. struck gold. Like it's just, <laughs> it's like, what is, you know, but, um, but there's enough tension to keep you going. And when it kicks off, it, it kicks off. And, you know, that scene is like I say, a classic. And then, and then the, the, the last, like I say, the last half an hour then is, is, is kicked on from that scene, which is then, which is then awesome as well. And I think, you know, that's what we talk about a lot, that if you're going to have a slow burn, you need to have a payoff. And that's what that's what this movie does. It delivers on the payoff. You know, the, the back oh, third of this movie is is beyond, you know, what what Last House on the Left did, because mm. I think, you know, um, that that scene and then the, the revenge side of it of kind of like, you know, the 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 like the, the final scenes of this movie like the mars kind of murder like i'm i'm always shocked when the movie ends mm. like, because it ends it's just, so abruptly doesn't it yeah and i'm never ready for it and i'm always like oh okay yeah it's gonna cut like very quick but i'm like i, I honestly feel like like when you're watching it you're like the filmmaker had to stop because that guy actually got stabbed <laughs> like that's what it kind of feels like because it feels so violent and like and again like we we, we kind of you know, I find myself flip-flopping a bit when I kind of slate the actor, and, you know, the, the, not slate it, but, you know, the actor who played Doug, mm. like, I didn't enjoy him in, in the, the early thuds, you know, part of this film, but that scene was powerful, and he, he yeah, you know, drove that scene, because he became a monster in that scene, and was truly believable as a dad that would, that had lost his wife, and would do anything to kill whoever to save his child, and like it, it was very well performed, and so it's kind—it's of, a real yin and yang of a performance for for him. It's people like the kind of big blob that never have that redemption, but um, mm. yeah, because you know those those last thirty seconds of the movie are, are so powerful, and like, and the movie—I think what it does—I think you know because we we spoke about it where the there are multiple endings, and Wes clearly didn't know how to end it. 
I think kind of, you know, the 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 scenes that you you can see of like the family walking away, I think it it doesn't deliver what it wants to deliver because it kind of wants to deliver this happy ending like everything's fine. I'll go back to what I said earlier. This family's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Like they're in the middle of nowhere. Like, how did they ever get rescued? You know, like, the, en- know the ending that happened rescued. is perfect for this film yeah, in terms of the because... tone, and and the fact that it ends at that moment of hyper violence from the family finally fighting back. And you were just alluding to it, but yeah, in the alternate ending, you do mm. get the extended sequence where Ruby goes back, the family meet up, have the baby, and then they kind of like welcome her to the family and be like, mm. right, we're going to survive together because we know you're one of the good guys. But yeah, that scene is so unnecessary, um, and wouldn't have made for a good ending. Whereas yeah ending it at the most violent point of the movie when you as a viewer go shit like i i appreciate that he's fought back but like man could i do that in that instance like that's such an interesting question to leave the viewer with right at the end it's the exact it's what happened in last house but it's making us as an audience member ask that question you know when when the mum and dad in last house sit down and like i said to you it was powerful how they looked at each other and looked around the room where they were like what the hell did we just do? And but but they also looked at each other and was like, we did what we needed to do. I think as a cinema viewer, when that when that movie like blood freezes, and you just suddenly go, I was cheering this guy on, like I wanted him <laughs> to kill Mars, and mm. look at what he's just done to Mars, and you kind of think like, look what he's done to this person that was just trying to survive. Like you kind of forget that like twenty minutes ago he was chanting like eat the baby, yeah, and you and you just like holy shit like he just like stabbed this guy in cold blood and like we we as a cinema viewer or whatever home you know video viewer was cheering him on wanting him to do this and it was so violent and visceral and then it just ends and i i just think it really does like every time i watch it i'm like wow like this is what i wanted and i i feel bad for that it is really (laughs) interesting because when wes talks about the idea for this movie and what he wanted to achieve he talks about how he read this story about these cannibals Mm -hmm. that were kind of off the beaten path from society they eventually got caught by society and then were like tortured and killed and his kind of concept for the movie was trying to portray two different sides that ultimately you know treat people very horribly and Mm. i don't think that's the overarching theme or kind of I, I no, didn't, that's not what tell, I take from the movie of like, oh my God, they're both equally yet. as bad. Yeah. But like that one scene is the one that, that toes that line the best. And so I think that is the one scene where you go, because that's the problem is like, they are so bad you know they're cannibals they're trying to eat a baby and then it's like and then wes as a director and a writer is trying to juggle that with we also he wants to add some sort of empathy to that and some sort of like well there's a misunderstanding here and that's just their way of life but that's so hard to get across he's broken the line twice because you know in last house what those characters did there's no redemption for them for the cinema Mm. viewer and i think as a cinema viewer the only thing that's probably worse than that is a family wanting to eat a live baby. Mm. <laughs> you know, that's, that's outrageous. Yeah. And that, you know, you couldn't do that in a film now. I feel almost wrong saying it. Like, well, apparently now. it seemed like Wes wanted the baby to die in the film. It seems yeah. like he's, he's been saying, saying that. And Whereas a lot of the actors were like, we, we're not doing that. <laughs> no, it's insane. Mm. And, you know, like I, I'd forgotten how much they go into that in this film i just kind mm. of thought they kidnapped the baby but they spoke about it multiple times and it's really you know and at that point you know there is no i think that's why if they hadn't have gone that far you could have felt sympathy for mars mm. but he kind of towed the line too far because i think you could tell in his script and i also i feel like you know 
scripts need to be revised and refined. And clearly at this point, the ink was still wet and where's the stunt? And like, that was it. And so this is clearly like a first draft that got made and Mm. it's still this good. And we're still talking about it, you know, 40 years later. Mm. Um, And like, you know, I think um, the, the, the thing about this is, is that they, um, you know, when, they they set up the family. This is where you could tell that Wes was trying to make them these like, you know, middle America, mi- you know, middle to upper class, you know, people that are kind of like, you know, we're better than anyone else. If we have a problem, we'll just pay for the vet bill. And if, you know, we're, we're just going to go off into the desert because we can and we'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, you know, we're, he's trying to make them that way. But then, you know what happens to them is so extreme and what the, what the cannibal family does. I think the, the, the scale shift and mm. then they shift irreversibly. Yeah. Well, that, that's such a hard thing to do. I think nowadays mm. it would be a lot more subtle. They wouldn't go as hard. I think it's interesting because I never even realized it when I was watching it, but that recent wrong term movie was doing like kind of doing what this movie tried to do, Yeah, you know, of like, Oh, well you think we're the bad guys, but we're not really. And obviously that movie doesn't work, but I think it would be, it'd be similar more to that than what you get here, where it'd be mm. like, it would be some sort of misunderstanding. One of the characters from the family would snap and cross a line towards them to which then that they would want the retaliation. Whereas obviously in this film, it's like they've attacked them, they've killed them, they've stolen a baby. It's like, that is, that is irreprehensible. You know, mm. you can't go back from that, like you said. So, um, but yeah, it's an interesting movie. Like, obviously we talked about it. I think I, like, I genuinely think beast is so incredible in this movie. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that does hold up of like, he was juggling with so much shit for an early production and to have a dog as like a character in the film mm. that actually has scenes of importance, um, multiple scenes of importance multiple, and actually has yeah. to do stuff in specific scenes. And they all hold up incredibly well. I still think when he attacks Pluto, that looks awesome. Um, and it's still like really visceral and really kind of like, it's the feel good moment of like, fuck mm-hmm. yeah, beast is taking down this guy that stole the baby. Like it still works for me. Totally. Um, and that, that's such a hard thing to achieve especially in the 70s like god knows how they were able to achieve it the way they did um mm. and yeah, we talked it... about it but michael berryman i thought is so strong in this movie and i think it's i'm so thankful that this isn't just like his one film and then he was done um you know we get we'll get other movies with michael and obviously we'll talk about it as part of the series but i'm so happy for that um mm. i'm kind of surprised I'm, I'm glad as well that we've got this far without mentioning the sequel because obviously that will have its own discussion um yeah, but, but like obviously michael in that sequel as well and stuff it's yeah i'm just he he was a really a shining star for me he's the one who's like when he's not on screen i'm like oh man i wish there was more michael mm. in this film because he really yeah is that good. and and i mean it's clear from like the posters and the artwork yeah. that came out that like they realized that he was the standout because you know you can get someone that looks the way he looks, like you say, that the um just just cannot can't act. act. <laughs> yeah. And and then and then you can get someone that can act, but like like his level of charisma and like you say, when you hear him talk, um, you know, in in the the making of and stuff, he's just a really genuinely nice, likable guy. Mm. And I think I think sometimes like, you know, those are the most powerful, you know, like you know, we, we've sit, we've been lucky enough to have a sit down and kind of, you know, talk talk to Richard Brake for, you know, what was it like an hour or whatever, and he was, you know, just a very genuinely nice, likable guy. And I think kind of that's how these people, you know, you see people like 
Doug Bradley or, or you know, Robert England and that. And they, mm. they all come across that way. That's this similar thing where, yeah. you know, if you get someone that's a little bit more, you know, not not twisted, but like a little bit more, you know, comfortable with those roles and that sort mm. of thing. You know, none of these guys seem like, you know, they're not signing off and then like going home and, you know, watching horror movies all night and, and then kind of, you know, doing it again that they're going home to family lives and switching off from it and i think it's kind of like that that level where like with with michael berryman going back to him that like you know he, he is nothing like his character absolutely nothing like it apart from the way he looks yeah i think and, you're absolutely right and that's the reason why these people have such longevity because mm. it is a good point that it is very consistent when i was thinking it then i was like mm. man like the way bill mosley comes across he seems yeah. like one of the nicest yeah, dudes ever yeah. and i think and like kane hodder and i think that is true of like you don't survive for 30 years playing bad guys if you're a piece of shit because mm. you're never going to get hired again so like yeah there's a reason why these people that are often the most villainous on screen are actually the biggest sweethearts like off it is is an interesting uh, observation mm. um but have you got anything else you want to add about this movie or shall we get into the rankings of this film yeah i don't i don't think so i think it's just one that you know i think obviously we're doing this retrospective because wes craven is important this this podcast doesn't exist without wes craven and i mm. think um this this franchise more than like scream and a nightmare on elm street when we get to those or we've already got to scream but like this franchise is what kind of gave me the drive to seek out horror movies mm. you know it, it was it was at the time that you know you, you do just kind of get the um images and and video artwork and kind of pick them out and and it was kind of finding movies like this and then being like holy shit like years later was like this guy made nightmare on elm street as well like <laughs> you know yeah. that was the fun journey that, that got us to where we are now and 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 you know these these wes movies were the building blocks of that yeah for, for me it's very difficult to have the disconnect between just seeing this as an individual movie because obviously mm. when we talk about these franchises that wes craven has built many of these horror franchises obviously we'll get to part two but it's like that holds such a special place in my yeah. heart for nostalgia reasons and so then it's like this is part of it obviously and the, you know part two wouldn't exist without this movie but it's yeah it's hard for me to disconnect because yeah, i'm kind of like how go... much do i how much love yeah. for this individual movie do i have compared to part two um yeah which is hilarious because it's the complete mm, opposite to every other person exactly pretty much but, <laughs> but it's like, our list <laughs> definitely and and like when we get to two you know we'll go into how special that was for us and, and it's partly those reasons but it is but it is that whole thing i remember you know slightly going into it that we saw two before one mm. and like <laughs> watching one for the first time and being like those flashbacks were an actual movie <laughs> and like watching this movie and like oh 30 minutes just... of this film is in another film <laughs> <laughs> and being like just completely you know blown away that like finally got to see it you know it was that it you know that is part of that joy those building blocks of being like oh yeah we saw part two and was like oh this was the best movie we've ever seen we're gonna have to watch part one now <laughs> and like that's that's what that's what life was back then like mm. with, with these horror movies you know it, it didn't matter what what friday the 13th he jumped onto you know you, you're just jumping on that 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 crazy journey and mm. you know i couldn't even begin to tell you what order i saw the halloween and friday the yeah movies. yeah I, I have no idea no no yeah. same it was just a blur at that point um mm. But yeah, I guess the rankings so far, um, mm. 
this will be the sixth film that we've added to the list, which oh, I, I think there's 18 kind of Wes Craven horror films with a couple of interesting ones that may or may not be horror films. So yeah. pretty much like a third of the way away there already, which is pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, kind of number one is Scream. Uh, number two is Scream 4. Uh, number three is Scream 2. Um, number four is The Last House on the Left. And number five is Scream 3. Um Hopefully I read that right. But obviously yeah. it's it's a weird one because obviously we started with Scream. So it seems like, oh my God, these guys love Scream. Well, no, they're just the movies that we covered first. And obviously we do love Scream, but <laughs> it's not a fair reflection at this point. Um, no. But I, yeah. I, as always, I didn't even give this a thought when I was watching this movie, to be honest. Well, in like, terms of ranking? Like ranking, yeah. Mm. And I'm now just like trying to unpack it in my mind. And it's so, it's so tough. I think. It's very tough. This is going to be one of the toughest ones, I think. Um, yeah, I think so too, because you because we have to untether it from part two mm. for us, which becomes very difficult. Yeah. I think, I think like, I think for me, it kind of, we, you know, it, it's above, it's above scream three. Mm. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's above last house on the left for me. That's where um, it gets difficult for me. I, I think, you know, it might be controversial and I really mm. didn't think I would have said this two weeks ago, but having watched these two movies just recently, for these recent viewings, I did enjoy Last House more. Um, but th- I'm not saying it's a better film or that I think it should go above it, but just based upon the recent viewings. Um, because I think, f- first of yeah. all, I've only seen Last House on Left a couple of times. I think, so it was yeah. kind of more fresh in my mind. Hang on one sec. And also the fact that kind of the soundtrack of that movie, I think, is way better. I think the acting and the characters is better. And I think the first half of the movie is better. Um, I think the heights of Hills of Eyes are like considerably stronger. Um, the, mostly the scenes we talked about, the middle scene and the kind of final 20 minutes is phenomenal. But yeah, as an overall recent experience, I I didn't get bored once watching last house on left but i was considerably bored for about 20 minutes watching this one yeah um, but that's only based upon the recent viewings i was gonna say i think it has to come into play how many times we've seen hills of eyes like at this point mm. um but yeah. also yeah it, it is funny because they are very similar movies and um you do wonder like if they if he had have made a combination of the two because i just with last house he didn't get that full you know that end bit wasn't like the payoff like this was i don't think mm. and um yeah the final third of this movie is so crazy but i think that's kind of where it starts to sit for me that like it's it's not touching the first two no and it and it and it, and it, and it, it falls into that pot that kind of you know it's 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 scream scream um scream 2 last of us uh last last house on the left and uh and and this and i'm like it starts to get tough there for me yeah i, I completely agree in, i think I these think three is, are all pretty similar yeah in terms of I, my lo- my enjoyment yeah and like before going into this i would have said that it this one would be top of that list of the three mm. but i kind of feel like now it probably sits in the middle it's so difficult with scream 2 is that that's going to be i think the one that might ruin this list and and obviously Mm. we've said that we can we can change it around at different times but like it's really difficult when you start disconnecting it of like it's it's a whole franchise that you love and it's a very important part of that franchise but kind of like it's not an original concept it's doing the same things again it's doing the same things not as good as scream um Mm. it's also not as good as the fourth scream movie so it's kind of like being the third best movie of a franchise as much as i love it 
that does have to take it down a pick or two. Yeah, um, like, because you've seen that, it better get... twice. Yeah. So I really struggle with this list. I really do. Mm. Um, yeah. Because I really, the last house on left has just gone up so much in my estimation recently, and and it's going to mm. be interesting when we watch more of these. Hopefully, in the coming months, and the, especially these older Wes movies. You know, the next couple I haven't actually seen, but once we get into like Nightmare on Elm Street, Hills of Eyes Part Two, and stuff like. It'll be interesting to kind of gauge that era of Wes's career. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. After watching these two movies now, I'm I'm sitting there thinking, are both of them deserving to be above Scream Two more? Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Which really might which, which might happen. Yeah, like, I mean, like I say, we can change this on a weekly yeah, basis. It's an, it's an evolution of it, and I think it's I think it is that like you know as as time goes on, and like you say, as you look at the franchise, you kind of see that. You know, it is the third best of the franchise, and then mm. you're talking about these these two movies that were just kind of, you know, so so raw and just so crazy, and just like at the start of this this filmmaker's incredible career, and kind of, you know, the stuff he was coming out with was just like, you know, like I say, it holds up to this day. Both of these movies hold up for different reasons. You know, Last House does have very good acting and an incredible soundtrack, and then. You know, Hills of Eyes just has this this absolutely just crazy ending with this, you know, with, with these cannibals that are just so so crazy as well, and just like something that you just haven't seen back then, and and it's just copied to this day. You know, we watched a Wrong Turn movie that is you know this year that's that's just Hills of Eyes in a different location. Mm. You know, but you weren't seeing movies like that before Hills of Eyes. Yeah. It's so yeah. difficult, like you say. With the, to me, this is like a weird triangle, almost. Of like, I don't know exactly this is how I feel, but I feel like I definitely enjoy Scream Two as a film, watching it more than Last House on the Left. Mm. But then recently, watching Last House on the Left, I enjoyed that more than Hills of Eyes. And then, like, I'm like, but I think Hills of Eyes is more original <laughs> than Scream Two. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know where the hell to put these films. <laughs> like, is Scream Two is a problem? <laughs> it's a good problem because i really like the film but it really buggers up this list because yeah scream one and four are clearly better than any of these films um and Mm. scream two a screen sorry scream three is clearly at the bottom of these movies that we've discussed Mm. so yeah i don't know i might leave this one to you to be honest because i don't feel too strongly about it either way and i really don't know what to do i would like this list a lot more if scream two didn't exist <laughs> it, it would become a lot just forever easier. removed off the list a movie that yeah. we really enjoy but it's <laughs> <Yeah>. too problematic <laughs> it would it would be a lot easier um yeah i think for me it's 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 probably in the middle right of of scream 2 and and last house mm. i think i think you know last house went up a lot in our expectations and i agree yeah, with definitely. what you said but i just you know I, I think it also has to be you know we we've seen this movie a million times for a reason and i will see this movie you know countless more times hills of eyes mm. you know and and i think you know that has to that has to come into play and and that weight alone to me kind of almost tips the scales to be above screen two as well mm. you know yeah. there, there's never a moment where i'm sitting there thinking i'm gonna whack on screen two mm. um if i'm watching all of the screen movies i will watch screen two but yeah, Scream Two will get watched as much as Scream Three for me. You know, yeah, whereas, it's just you're watching the whole trilogy. Yeah. Whereas I will stick on Scream One at any given moment, and and I'm almost like that with Scream Four now. Yeah, like, I always you know, where I'll just shove it. that on. Yeah. Whereas the other two, they are only if I'm doing a franchise viewing. 
Yeah, that's a good point. So, you know, I, you know, that's why, whereas the Hills of Eyes, I will stick this on as well. And I think that's why with Last House, that's why it kind of goes down a peg because mm. I can't just stick that on. No, definitely like, not. You know, and so. But that does give it to me a little bit more like it's more elusive because like I say, it's definitely <laughs> the one I've seen the least out of all these. And obviously, like I said before, it's going to be interesting the next two because I haven't seen either of them ever before. Mm. So they will be like a completely new watch for me. Whereas last house was, I I've probably seen it like three times maybe now in its entirety. Whereas mm. every other film on this list, I've seen at least half a dozen, if not more times. So yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I like where it is for now. And I think I put an asterisk next to scream two because mm. I really don't know where to put it, but um. No, we need to have a think about that one. Yeah, like you say, this list is fluid. It can change. But I think for now, um, Scream, uh, Scream 4, Scream 2, The Hills of Eyes, The Last House on the Left, and Scream 3. That will be our, our number, our six films for now. Um, I don't love it, but I'll no. accept it for now. <laughs> <laughs> I like that there's a list that only two of us have any say in and neither of us are completely happy with it. That's always a good sign of a list. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this gives the listeners a little bit of an insight oh, as to God. what year end is like. <laughs> See, this year's gonna be fun because I'm just gonna keep saying two words over and over again. And that's all. That's all and, I'm gonna contribute to this. Yeah. So there, there might only be one film on the Psycho Gorman, <laughs> Psycho Gorman. That's all it's gonna be. Um, oh, but dear. yeah, this is our list so far. I'm, I'm really. I can't wait to add more to it because this is just so much fun. Um, but uh, yeah, that was our discussion of the Hills of Eyes. We will take a short break and we will be right back. So yeah, just very quickly, because we always overrun on these Wes Craven shows, um, we did have a bit of listener feedback this week, um, a voicemail courtesy of Sean, and I'll play that now. Hey there, Matt and Mike. This is Sean Smith calling in from the outskirts of Costa Mesa, California once again, uh, just checking in with you on your latest episode 43, where you reviewed Honeydew. Uh, yes, I really appreciate uh, your review, and that's not a movie that was on my radar. I know it's been uh, it's been getting a little bit busier lately. Things have been picking up, thank goodness. Uh, so thank you for the avoid recommendation. Uh, greatly appreciate it. I uh, just wanted to also um, let you know, I did check out uh, on Shudder the latest episodes of Creepshow. They just put out episode three. Um, I got to say, definitely enjoy um, all the all the episodes so far. Um, there's only one segment that I didn't enjoy. So I think five of the six segments I really enjoyed. So I think this series for season two is definitely off to a great start. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, it's probably going to be better than the second than the first season. Um, but yeah, so far, so good. Um, looking forward to more episodes as they drop. Uh, also, uh, regarding Psycho Gorman, uh, finally um, cracked open that Blu-ray and checked it out. Um, I definitely like it more than The Void. Um, there are definite aspects uh, of the movie that I really enjoyed, especially in the latter third of the film. Um, I know a lot of people are complaining about the performance of the girl, but I really thought that um, you know that character was supposed to be played a certain way all the way through the film. I think that was the point, the whole point of her character being that way. Um, so I think she... You know, she played it solid as far as, you know, what, what they were trying to accomplish in the movie. Um, yeah, I thought that it had, it was, it was funny in, in several parts. Um, some good gore sequences. Um, overall, I, I would say, you know, entertaining. 
Um, there's only one scene that I didn't really enjoy. I thought it was totally unnecessary. I think the one, I think you'll know what I'm talking about. It's, it's like right, right in the middle of the movie. Um, there's, it doesn't really capture any elements of humor. It doesn't capture any, any elements of, you know, pushing the story forward. It's basically just a scene to show you the director's viewpoint on religion. And I thought that was completely unnecessary. Other than that, I thought the film was, was, was pretty good. I'd probably rate it a 7 out of 10 with a rental recommendation. Um, so uh, that's my thoughts on Psycho Gorman. And then also, lastly, um, there, is, uh, there was end up being one film that we got in the, in the cinema this week. So it's uh, Ben Wheatley's new film, In the Earth. Uh, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with him. He's a British director. But it's basically about um, – it, it really looks like it's shot in, in this time, you know, meant for this actual time, the pandemic, because as soon as you – as soon as the film opens up, you see all these people in masks and so forth. And it's just basically about um, these eco-scientists who are trying to figure out a way to, I don't know, have a, have a more of a cure for the pandemic that, that these characters are going through in their story. And so you got these two characters who go travel into the forest to, um, you know, to communicate with one of their other colleagues who has been out there doing research. Um, and they all think it's about the pandemic. So they go out there and on the way they run into some trouble with this uh, individual that they, that they cut, that they come across. Um, and then they, when they finally do end up talking to this other scientist that they, that they end up going out there for, it just turns into this whole situation where the scientist is not actually there to, to research the pandemic. She's actually there to research this entity that's that, that she thinks is living in the forest. And she's trying to communicate with, with this entity using a bunch of like lighting and different sound frequencies. And it's just really odd, very strange doesn't make a whole lot of sense and um i would say this film hardly qualifies as horror it's very boring um you have only one death um in the film one confirmed death anyway in the film that's at the kind of at the very end um yeah this is um this is the same guy who did kill list and kill list is a much better film this is not good i cannot recommend in the earth it's very boring um not there's just not much that go that that's ha that happens in the movie to, to you know to keep you interested um i have to say um yeah it's a total avoid i'm not even gonna bother rating it um i would say just definitely don't even bother with this one guys um all right uh so anyway thank you so much again for letting me share my thoughts and uh we'll check in with you soon thank you so much bye so yeah, thank you very much, Sean. Obviously, you've been watching a lot of things that we're big fans of. Obviously, Creep Show. Um, we've not talked about it for a little while. Obviously, we talked about the premiere. Um, and yeah, we're coming towards the end of the series now. Um, so we're probably gonna do a show on it next week. Obviously, these things change a lot, but um we talk about it all the time with TV of like TV has saved us, TV has definitely carried the load with no cinemas, mm -hmm. and so now is the perfect time to dedicate shows to it. And I had such a great time talking about Creep Show with just the first episode and obviously we've now got we should have maybe seven more segments to talk about so like that's a lot but it's plenty and we, we'd have to go obviously Wait, in depth we, on all the segments um, are we not doing a walking dead podcast next definitely definitely not new oh. new time for you you've, you've already slowed us down even mentioning the walking dead which i'm annoyed about um but uh yeah so hopefully it's the sole reason why i watch walking dead still is to debunk the show 
that's that's one reason. That's more reasons than most people that's have more to, to watch most. it. Um, but yeah, so creep show stuff to follow. Um, obviously, you were watching Psycho Goreman, which is uh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about that in the coming weeks because we've gone too long. But yeah, it's a we've got the Blu-ray and we've been digging into that all that good stuff. Um, and then also, you know, with these movies that you're watching, you obviously watched in in the Earth. Um, it's such a shame that like it's always in a void. I appreciate it because I love hearing mm. about these movies that, that don't sound great. But I wish we were in a position where you know you were raving like here's a yeah. yeah here's a weird digital horror movie that I just watched and it was awesome and I think you guys need to talk about it. And um, so yeah, I appreciate the avoid, but it's just it's where I feel right now with a lot of releases, and especially after Honeydew last week, where mm. it left such a bad taste in my mouth. I had such a great time talking about the Hills of Eyes this week, and I want to. You know, it is more like filling time until we get these big releases. Now, looking at digital releases, there there isn't anything that I'm even interested in, you know? No, and to be fair, In the Earth was one that did have me interested because... Yeah, we saw the trailer. Ben Wheatley does does have some mm. kind of clout behind it, and I kind of... The initial premise and stuff, um, you know, sounded interested. It was a bit like that... Oh, God, what the hell is it called? The ne- Annihilation, the Netflix mm. movie. It sounded like a little bit like that, and I was like, okay, this... Like anything that's annihilation ish, like I love that movie. Mm. So I was starting to get a little bit into it, and so yeah, it sounds like Sean's done us a favor there at least. Yeah, like the trailer was okay, um, wasn't mm. terrible, but wasn't good. And I remember obviously he he shot the movie as like a micro budget horror movie during COVID, and so I think mm. it was a kind of like right, I'm I'm stuck at home for the first time in my life, and I just want to quickly make something because I I know he's making mm. the Meg two as his next film, so it's kind of like he made something for basically nothing, and now he's doing a movie that must have like a hundred million dollar budget. So <laughs> it's a weird one for the director to do, but and it it did yeah, it had me intrigued, but everything you said about it just doesn't sound interesting at all. Mm. Um, so yeah, that'll probably be the plan for the coming weeks. Obviously, we don't want to do like where's craven every week but um as of right now that seems to be the most appealing thing and tv as well Mm -hmm. um and yeah i desperately want to talk about some creep shows so that'll probably be the foreseeable future obviously things may change maybe some random ass horror movie will get dropped out of nowhere um but considering the last year i would say that's very low odds of happening (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah, a very quick and abrupt end to the show. Obviously, we'll talk about other stuff next week. But yeah, the, these obviously a normal film discussion is very short. Whereas when you're talking when, about a movie that has the history us to of this, rank Wes Craven movies. <laughs> that's when it gets messy. <laughs> yeah, and it's just kind of like the history and the going into the release and the the documentaries and all that stuff. There's, I mean, there's so much stuff that we literally didn't even cover because that's just how it is with these old films. But we're not going to do a three hour well, podcast. I think as well, it. it's kind of. Um, you know, it's part of the fun that these are a different format to the, mm. to the to the normal podcast. You know, we are deep diving into this whole legacy of films and mm. the legacy of this man's career. And it's something very different, you know, whereas we mm. just drop in, talk about these movies, and that's it. You know, these movies that we're talking about right now do have weight behind them. It's going to be interesting when we do start to unpack movies that we have less personal history with, with mm. Wes. Yeah. Yeah, so and, the next two, like I said earlier, I mm. haven't seen. The The next one is Deadly Blessing, mm-hmm. um, which yeah, I've never seen. Has an Arrow release, thank God, like the yep. previous two, which is awesome. Um, and then the one after that is Swamp Thing. 
um, yeah. which also I haven't seen and does have a UK Blu-ray that came out two years Ooh, ago nice. um, by, I believe, 88 Films. Because I, I when I looked at that, that one, I was like, there's no chance that has a nice HD release. <laughs> and, I, and, it, and it is, and it's not like crazy price because it's out of print I, I quickly looked on ebay and it was like seven pounds so it's nice. it's more than affordable so that's good for the next two and then i'm pretty sure after that it's like nightmare on elm street and hills of eyes part two so <laughs> oh yeah then we've got a period where we're screwed haven't yeah we? then we're screwed i think yeah. th- i think then it's deadly <laughs> friend which god knows about that film <laughs> yeah. we might have to ask people if they have it on videotape so we can watch it <laughs> so those but, will be fun but yeah i've i've seen deadly blessing i'm quite excited excited to see what your take of it is mm, i don't knowing... i know nothing about it and i'm not going to look up um, anything prior to watching it either no knowing this is like the movie before like you know well i guess it's not because it's swamp thing but it's starting yeah. to get to like you know mm. nightmare on elm street stuff but um but yeah and i've never seen swamp thing so i'm i'm really excited to watch that one yeah, that's going to be really fun. Like I say, completely different flavor compared to these movies that have so much history for uh, for us. That was one of the main reasons why I wanted to do that was kind of like Wes, Wes Craven's filmography is so important to us. He is our favorite horror director, but I'm not a completionist. I haven't seen every film. So that's that's so that's so exciting. Um but yeah, that was episode 244 where we discussed The Hills of Eyes. Uh, thanks for listening as always, and we'll see you again very soon. See you later everyone. Shut up, I can't Mainly because I never could How could I start that?